Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. What is that situation, that set of circumstances in your life that has sort of overwhelmed you, discouraged you, tested you, tried you? What is it or who is it that is such that only Jesus can solve it? Is there a situation that is so impossible, so complex, so perplexing that it is impossible for you? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Many of us have gone through or will go through some of the most overwhelming of situations. How we respond to them is what makes all the difference in the world, especially as disciples of Christ. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us how it's these very trials that both draw us closer to God and grow us in our walk as believers. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 1 with his continuing study called Jesus Only. So today's teaching is going to be part three of a series I've titled Jesus Only. We finished chapter 1 today, but before we finish the chapter, I sort of need to do something a little bit different in the sense that I want to insert a subtitle uh, to the title, and that subtitle is, As Only Jesus Can. And the reason being is that it's always Jesus only, as only Jesus can. I hope you don't see that as a play on words. I want for us today to superimpose that as the answer to virtually every situation and even every prayer that's in our lives. Maybe I can say it this way. Whatever it is that you brought to church with you today, I would like for you to superimpose this over that. And even now as I say that, something has come to mind, or maybe someone (laughs) has come to mind. And I want you to view that situation, that person, through the lens of simply this. Jesus only, as only Jesus can. Now, this was the case for Paul. Such that Jesus only, as only Jesus can takes the Saul's of this life and makes them the Apostle Paul. Only Jesus can do that. Let me ask you this question before we go any further, and I want you to think this through with me. What is that situation, that set of circumstances in your life that has sort of overwhelmed you, discouraged you, tested you, tried you, What is it or who is it that is such that only Jesus 
can solve it. Is there a situation that is so impossible, so complex, so perplexing, that it is impossible for you? Well, that's what we're going to look at and talk about today. This is why Paul says what he says, and it's why Paul says what he says the way he says it. He's basically saying, it's only Jesus. No man had anything to do with that which only Jesus can do. We talked about in previous weeks how that if you were to cut the Apostle Paul, he would bleed Jesus. If you were to have a conversation with the Apostle Paul, the only thing he'd want to talk about is Jesus. That's what he preached. He preached Christ and Him crucified. And whenever he would get off topic, off message, as it were, he would always get right back to the main thing. He kept the main thing, the main thing, Jesus. Jesus only. Not Jesus and, not Jesus if, not Jesus but, no, Jesus only. It's important to keep in context the prior verses. Paul has just got done rebuking these Galatian churches concerning their being man-pleasers and not God-pleasers. They had their eyes on man. They didn't have their eyes on Jesus. And now Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is going to use himself as an example, and he does so with the hopes of turning them back to the simplicity of, and perhaps more importantly, the reliance upon Jesus, and Jesus only. And that's the question that I believe is before every single one of us today. Who or what am I relying on? Who is it or what is it that I'm trusting in, looking to, and relying on? In verses 13 through 24, Paul basically shares his testimony about his dramatic conversion and how that God called him before he was born. The implication being even Paul had nothing to do with it. There was nothing about Paul. He hadn't even been born yet when God called him. God who knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And he emphasizes that it was the Lord. It was not man. So much so that after he's saved, he says, I did not consult with any man. I did not go to the apostles. I did not go to Jerusalem. I did not talk to any man. It was only Jesus. And by the way, that's how he got saved, right? You know, we all have our testimonies. Some of our testimonies are more dramatic than others. And please know that as dramatic as the Apostle Paul's testimony was, it in no way diminishes the validity of your testimony if it wasn't as dramatic for you. I know for me, when I came to Christ, it was, it was pretty dramatic, even traumatic, <laughs> because of the way I came to Christ. But I think that some people who don't have that dramatic experience are kind of bashful in the sense that, well, you know, I 
actually don't, don't have a testimony like that where I was a, you know, drug dealer and a drug addict and an alcoholic and a bad dude. And then God just got a hold of my life on my road to Damascus and I got saved and we're just like, ooh, ah, you know. And then here's somebody going, well, you know, I, I actually grew up in a, in a Christian home with really godly parents and really never did any of that. And, but I'm saved. I'm born again. It's kind of like, okay, well, just go sit in the back. We'll bring up the. <laughs> I think for those of you who have had some pretty dramatic experiences in coming to salvation, uh, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, I'm not very proud of how I came to Christ. I mean, I was a bad dude. And even while I was yet a sinner, Jesus Christ died for me and gave his life for me and paid in full for me for all of my sins. It's been said that he saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. And surely that was the case for me personally. But if you think about it, it's kind of interesting because um, you know how Paul was led to the Lord? Oh, by the Lord himself. How's that for a testimony? <laughs> you know, maybe somebody led you to the Lord and prayed with you when you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, how would you like to, like the Apostle Paul, be able to say, you know, uh, you know how I came to the Lord? Well, Jesus came to me himself and revealed himself to me. I came to the Lord by the Lord. Wow. Well, that's what happened. And that's what he's sharing here. He recalls the account of Jesus revealing himself while he was on the road to Damascus, which is recorded in Acts chapter 9. I want to read verses 1 through 9. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, which is what they would refer to the Christians as, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Ah. Then the Lord said to him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then Jesus says this, very interesting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Yes, it is. So he, speaking of Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's a great question, isn't it? To ask of the Lord. Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the man who journeyed with him (laughs) stood speechless, you think? Hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate 
nor drank. Don't you find it just a little bit interesting that right after Paul is saved, God isolates him and moves him, removes him in isolation from any man for three years? You know what we would do? We would have Paul on a speaking tour as a celebrity who just got saved. Wow, what a testimony. And he'd be speaking in these mega and giga churches. That's what we do, right? And they have no theology. All they have is a testimony. Nothing wrong with that. But we exalt them. And we place them in positions for which they are not prepared. And so what God does is he he takes Paul and he takes him off the scene in the deserts of Arabia for a period of three years. Why? Why does God do that? Why would God deem it necessary to take Paul into this place of isolation? I believe it's because he wanted to teach Paul a total and utter dependence and reliance upon him and him alone. And in order to do that, as only he can, he had to isolate this Saul of Tarsus to prepare him to become Paul the Apostle. I'm also of the belief that the Lord had to break Paul. Think about this. Paul was arguably a very strong man with a very intense personality. By his own admission, I zealously, intensely persecuted the church. I imagine Paul to be very intimidating. Some describe his outward appearance, and he even refers to it as, you know, this short man. But man, I tell you, when he walked into a room, everybody noticed. And certainly the early church feared him greatly. He was a very strong man, very strong personality, but that's a problem. God has to break that strength, that self-reliance. And this is what God does with strong personalities, of which I would venture to say many here today are, and you know who you are, you don't have to raise your hands. Many years ago I heard someone say, you know, some of us are too strong for God to use. Oh my goodness. It hit me as if it were only for me. Nobody else had to be there that day. That was the Lord saying to me, and this was shortly after we had moved here to Hawaii to start this church. And I was really seeking the Lord and waiting on the Lord. And and then the Lord just kind of ministered to me that I've got, I've got to take you into this desert of isolation for a period of time. 
Because there's some things I need to break in you. You're too strong in your own strength. You're too reliant upon your own savvy, your own ability. And I have to break that. And I have to do it in such a way so as to prepare you for that which I'm preparing for you. Because of that which I have for you. You're not ready for it yet. If I were to allow you prematurely to do that which I'm calling you to, you would fail miserably and I cannot be a party to that. So I've got to break that in you that would cause that to happen to you. And by the way, isn't Paul in good company? He's in good company with the likes of Elijah, very strong man. John the Baptist, he was a wild man. The Apostle John, and my personal favorite, Moses. For those of you who were with us on Thursday nights in our study through the Old Testament, when we got into the book of Exodus, and God calls Moses, and Moses tries in his own strength to deliver God's people, and he kills an Egyptian. And what does God do? God says, Moses, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you trying to do this in your own strength? And he takes Moses to the backside of the desert. Not just the desert, the backside of the desert. For 40 years, for three years for Paul, 40 years for Moses. And get this, he's 40 years old at the time. And now he's going to the backside of the desert for 40 more years. So now here's Moses, 80 years old. And God appears to him and basically says to him, Okay, Mo, (laughs) it's time to go, bro. (laughs) That's a very loose paraphrase, obviously. And what is his response? (laughs) Are you you kidding me? I, I, I have been on the backside of the desert so long, surrounded only by sheep, no man, I've had nobody to talk to, and I've developed a speech impediment. I can't even talk anymore. I mean, I, the only thing I can say after being with the sheep on the backside of the desert for 40 years is, that's it. I can't even talk. And you want to use me? <laughs> that's laughable. No, uh, Moses, you're ready now. See, I can use you now. It took me 40 years. You, you know you got a strong personality, too strong for God to use if it takes him 40 years to break it. Moses was a strong man. Moses' life can be divided into three sections of 40 years each. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the backside of the desert, and 40 years in the Exodus as the deliverer of God's people. But God could not do anything with Moses until he had broken that self-reliance that he had. And the same with the Apostle Paul. And here's the common denominator with all those that God does this with. He puts them in an impossible situation. So they're looking at this situation that they're in, and they throw up their hands and they say, God, I can't do this. To which God 
responds with something to the effect of, I know, that's why I put you there, so that you could realize that. This is impossible! For you it is. For you it is. And now that you realize that it's impossible for you, in and of your own strength, now I can do it. Before, I couldn't do it. Because it was still possible for you. And that's why. Well, in Matthew 19, Jesus tells the disciples that it's harder for a rich man, really impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven like it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Impossible, right? And then the disciples in their astonishment ask Jesus, well then, (laughs) who can possibly be saved? It's impossible for anybody to be saved. And listen to Jesus' response. He looks at them and says to them this, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Oh, don't we love that verse? We've written songs about how God is the God of the impossible. Amen! God can do the impossible. Not so fast. God cannot do the impossible until it's first impossible. What? What do you mean? Now think about this. God can't do the impossible until first it's impossible. And by the way, we're so quick to quote the second part of that verse, but we don't quote the first part of that verse. You know, the part that says that it's first impossible for man in order for it to be possible for God? Stay with me. Here's what that looks like. If it's still possible for me in my own strength to do something, aren't I going to try to keep doing it? I'll keep trying and striving and in my own strength, I can do this, I can do this. No, you can't. And isn't it when and only when I come to the end of myself and I say, Lord, I can't do this. I can just hear the angels given charge concerning me saying, well, it's about time, dude. Are, can you let God do it now? Oh, oh, is it impossible for you? Well, guess what? Now it's possible for God. Galatians contains many lessons that we can learn from even today. The Apostle Paul spent time in this letter encouraging the church to embrace the love and lifestyle of Jesus. While we need to learn and abide by the Bible's principles, we can't become like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, promoting legalism above grace. Jesus came to fulfill the law, and therefore we get to choose to follow Him in the way He desires. That's all we have time for today on In Spirit and Truth. You can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll receive new messages as soon as they're available. Download our mobile app for Android and iPhone and always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. 
If you live in or will be visiting the Kaneohe area, why not come join us in person for one of our weekly services? At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we desire to share God's Word and love everywhere we go and with everyone who walks through our doors. Come by on Sunday at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. or on Thursday at 7 p.m. for a time of Bible study and worship under the leadership of Pastor J.D. Farag. We can't wait to meet you, so please introduce yourself. Find out more at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com by clicking on the link to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. That's all for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. There's so much more to learn from the pages of Galatians, though, so be sure to join Pastor J.D. again for another in-depth look. That's next time right here on In Spirit and Truth.